This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a Premier League lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in, you Reds? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards, points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. This is for the fans. The Vibe. Report on The Vibe, sponsored by Opium, the number one indie bar in Barnsley. Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of The Retro Report with um, Steve Andrews. Steve, you alright? Yes, I'm very well sir, thank you. Very good. And uh, a guest today that you might have seen on Twitter, and it's it's one of the reasons we can't wait to go back to Orgwell because it's not just the football; it's the halftime pie hey. as well. Uh, I know, I thought of that all week. Ian, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the Retro Report. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, for people that don't know Ian, um, on Twitter at Halftime Pie, um, you do blog a lot about about Barnsley, um, mm-hmm. and it's almost it, well informed, really, really good pieces. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight of how long you've sort of been a fan and where that came from? Um, well, I'd probably be early 2000s. Um, bit of a, the backstory being that um, we ended up going through a uh, adoption process uh, with, with uh, children and uh, we got matched to a couple of children that were born in Barnsley. So we uh, went down, did our introductions um, and they came and settled with us. So we met some fantastic people down there um, and made some friends for life. And the uh, I always said to the boys when they grew up, um, always remember your roots and where you're from and uh, always looked out for Barnes's results and got the kits at Christmas and that kind of thing. And I always thought they might follow another team that the mates might follow, but they didn't. And um, as they've grown up, I've been taking them to home and away games, and uh, it's kind of gone from there, really. Really good. I suppose during these times when we're not allowed to go um, to, to a football match, it's a nice time to be watching Barnsley, isn't it? Because we're doing all right. 
Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I was only thinking last night when I was watching the Stoke game and um, over the last few years, it's been a bit of a yo-yo between League One, Championship. You know, you think about even the day at Huddersfield when they stayed up on the last game and uh, and I think my lads have been through the mill, really, um, and all the mates have kind of took the mickey and, and now they're, well, certainly the youngest is still in school and he, when he is back in school, he can walk quite high and... We're, we're top ten in the championship, and you're you sport team in League Two or League One now. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a good victory, um, a Bristol City, followed up by yet another win. It's now forty-four for Vlerin uh, Ismail's men um, yesterday, and um, against a Stoke side that we've always find, found hard to break down. When you talk about bogey teams, and let's be honest, in the Championship, most teams have, have proven to be a bogey team for Barnsley, but we're setting all kinds of records this season. Um, yesterday, performance-wise, um, they did what needed to be done, but two really good goals to take away the three points, Ian. Yeah, I, I mean, let's not let's not beat about the bush. It wasn't the best game to watch, but... Um... Something that really dawned on me through that second half was how they managed the game. And I, and I, and I thought back to the two games against Stoke last season and some of the horrendous defending. Um, I think the keeper that cleared it and it landed straight to a Stoke play and he stuck it in an empty net in that, was it Michael Neal's first game in charge? And I think I'm not sure if it was 4-0 at Stoke later on in the season and there was individual errors. And I just thought, how the likes of Civic, Anderson, how they're defending as a team, how they're managing that game against a very established Stoke team that's got ex-Premier League players in it. Um, and it just dawned on me that, yeah, it might not be the best watch, but look at how they've how they've progressed in 12 months. Do and that was, the, think, that, that was the biggest plus for me. Do you not think as well over the, the last sort of, since October, since Ishmael's come in, that mentality-wise... There has been a big change. Um, some some of the game, like you say, it's not been pretty to watch at times, but we've like ground out a result um, in games that previously we would have lost. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah, and 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 I think some of that might have been under Struber because I think he he talked about um, defending better individually and collectively, but certainly since his mail's come along, it's it's a different prospect. Um, and I think you look at you look at the, the the recent games, and they've come up against very different opposition who've played very differently. So you can't always play this like they did against Chelsea. Play you know great pressing football that creates loads of chances, but they've come up against a Brentford team who could well be in the Premier League next next year, yeah. um, who are a great threat um, and on in their own backyard. You've had Blackburn who tried to play a quick long ball to beat the press yeah. and Armstrong to try and uh, break open the defence. It only happened, it only worked once in the 92nd minute. And then you had Stoke who came and kind of imposed themselves a bit more. Uh, certainly that first half and some of the crosses they were putting in on that right-hand side. So I think how they've managed those games and to, to, to get three points and previously those might have been draws or defeats. So yeah, I agree. It's um, a, a lot's been said about um, Ismail's. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the signings that came in in the summer were before his time. He, he's added a few um, during this, this um, winter or January transfer window. 
tactically, though, we seem to be able to cope better when the opposition make changes. Um, I, I, I've often said, you know, I'm Barnsley through and through, but I've often felt we had a bit of a, a lack of a plan B. Um, yes. You know, we'd start with a really, really high press. And then when you've got the 60, 65 minutes, as it would, it sort of wore off a little bit and, 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 and the balance started changing. The use of the subs that, that uh, Ismail does is one of those sort of plan Bs. There's always something that he, he can do. Um, yesterday, again, you know, Stoke changed formation a couple of times. But Ismail is there, isn't he? He he knows he knows how to counter that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the Blackburn game and the substitutions won that game without a shadow of a doubt in that second half. You look at um you look at yesterday, um, and I think Morris and Woodrow did a lot of the dirty work that you where they yeah. were back back yeah. to goal, um, holding it up, um, and they put a, a fair shift in, but obviously don't get kind of applauded. It's uh, because they're not like scoring or whatever, but then you you then get your, your other strikers come on and we're a different proposition, and suddenly we started putting nice one twos together, holding it up, and then obviously the second goal was, was a well worked goal. So I agree with that definitely. And I think at the start of the game, I looked at the bench, and you look at the bench now, and there's options right through that team. Yeah. You, 12, 18 months ago, if Woodrow didn't score or got injured, you know, could. <laughs> Oh, if Mowat doesn't score, what have you got on the bench? You look on that bench, you've got two great keepers. You've got um, you've got options to come into the defence. Halmey can play defence or CDM. And then, obviously, we've got six six strikers. Um, so, you look at, you've got options. And he knows, and he no, knows how to use them. Halmey came in yesterday. Um, I'll be honest, when he was getting ready, when he get, getting his shirt on, I thought he was actually going to come on and replace possibly one at centre-halves. Yes. But he took Palmer off. Uh, and we know Alma can play in that sort of holding defensive midfield sort of position. Yes. Um, he's not played there for a while, and then he's been out injured. To come straight in onto that, into that role, um, I thought he did actually really, a really good job. Um, you know, he, he broke a lot of play up. Nothing, you know, nothing spectacular or all that. But sometimes you get a player like that, don't you, that... That just yes. like you said, the dirty work. Yeah, and um, I mean, I always one game that sticks in my mind with Harmey. Uh, one of his best performances was last. I think it was the last time I was at Hopewell. Actually, was the Huddersfield game in the January where they won two one, um, and Harmey played CDM and he, he did that. He protected what was a back four, I think. Then he protected it very well, broke everything up, and just did nice little passes to Moa and let the creative players do their work. Um, and he's a nice option to have off the bench, but I think getting back to the point with Ismail, yes, he's 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 alert to what the opposition are doing. He's alert to um, what it's not just oh, it's 60th minute, I'll bring somebody on. He's thinking who to bring on, and it, it, it's the right personnel are coming on. So he's making yeah. the right decisions. He's not just doing it because oh, it's 60 minutes and I have to make a change. So yeah, tactically, he's alive to every every second of the game. Yeah. Michael O'Neill stood at the sideline yesterday. Um, I text Steve. Uh, in fact, we, I rang him after the match as well. I think it was about 75 minutes in and he wanted more intensity from his Stoke team. So he was stood like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not very I good thought, for radio, that no... though, Carlo, is it? You know <laughs> what I mean? He stood like that. He was, he stood like he was like, I, I was going like to say, a, like a little Queen's wave. I was just going to say a Queen's wave. <laughs> no, 
no no shouting or nothing. And I thought there is nobody more. There's no a who's going to watch when you don't shout. And and point I'm making is you can hear, especially with no fans, you can hear his mouth. You can hear him when he's happy. You can hear him when he's clapping. You can hear him when he's not so happy because you know a misplaced pass or whatever. So it's not just about what they're doing on the training pitch. He he is still guiding them throughout the 90 minutes of the match as well. And that is important for these young lads, isn't it? Oh, massive, yeah. Um, I mean, you only have to look at his reaction at that throw-in that went to Stoke that was never a, fr- <laughs> never a throw-in. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to be that linesman right now when he got run past that dugout. <laughs> but but that's what you need. And I wrote, I think I wrote a piece not long ago about Ismail and about how he, he's the man who will put an arm around the shoulder and you see him come on the pitch after the game and he'll he'll give his players a bit of a hug. But I bet he's the one who's driving him on as well in training and that death stare he gives. And But I think he gets that kind of nice balance. And you're right, these players still need guiding and um, through, through 90 minutes. And I think he just reads a game very well. And like you say, the polar opposite was what O'Neill did for Stoke. And I think his team played like he performed on the sidelines and Ishmael's team played like how he performs. You know, there was more gusto, whereas Stoke just kind of, I don't know, just meandered through it, really. Do you think with Ishmael as well, the fact that he did play, you know, a really high level, obviously, with Munich. um, He played with Lothar Mateus at Munich. Um, I know he only had a season in Premier League with, with Crystal Palace. But do you think where he played and what he's experienced has had an influence Unlike your Anderson, because I mean Anderson's a different player now to what yes. he was when he first he first came. Sibic's come back from his loan spell, where basically he never played a, a game, and he's like, you know, wh- where's he been? Why has he not been playing for us as a centre half? Do you think he's having that sort of influence on them on them young players as well? I, I certainly do. I think um, I think first and foremost whatever he's witnessed, wherever he's gone. And if, if you're in that setup at Bayern Munich and you see how that machine works and how they perform and deliver year on year, he's bound to have picked up some some tips there. Yeah. Um, you look at how very early on he wasn't messing around and you look at how uh, Shamoz went out and uh, Thomas went out yeah. and, and the comments that he made were kind of, well, if you show the attitude, you can come back. But if you don't, then see you later. And I think he just gets that balance where he probably would put an arm around Anderson or Civic, but then others, it's like, well, if you don't perform, these these lads on the bench will will, will give the right arm to play at the minute. Um, So I think he does. He's obviously learnt and picked up a lot wherever he's gone. And I think he's had that experience of, coming to England with Palace, being at Bayern Munich. And he's, he's clearly watched and learned and, and thought, right, well, when it's my time, I know how I'm going to deliver. It's um, talking about him and his, his, his sort of man management skills, really important, isn't it? Because there's not many clubs where as a striker, you're almost 90% agree that you're not going to play the 90 minutes. That's partly because of the style that we have, yeah. but nobody seems to have an issue with it, does it? Woodrow... You know, Woodrow coming off, you wouldn't have thought, because for, for, for well, weeks upon months, Woodrow was always our outstanding performer. He had the one that had that pedigree in his division, and now you almost know. So it's important that he has those skills, because otherwise players will become unhappy and almost demanding to play under. 
Yes, I think anybody at the moment, obviously, they're on a good run and everybody's going to want to play every minute. And those players were buzzing when they come off last night and they must have been thinking, I can't wait to play on Saturday. Um, But, and certainly where you look at Woodrow, he could have been a player that spat his dummy out and thought, well, I'm, I'm I'm the top man here. Look at my record and... You know, um, I've played for Fulham. I've done. You know, he, he could he could have been that type, but he doesn't appear to be that type. And you only look at look at the exchanges when they come off and how they um, sort of um, approach each other as they come off the pitch. And everybody seems to want to do well. So that ethos is running right through the team, um, and it, it, it's clear to clear to see. I think you saw yeah. that, didn't you, after the Bristol City game? We we. With Morris and uh, and Woodrow, because they were both, although Woodrow had been taken off for him and he went and scored, they were both hugging each other, and you can see that team spirit and that you know yes. that positivity's got to be there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a long old season in the championship, and you're going to have dips and you're going to have uh, highs, but uh, now whether part of that is what they went through last season and they've grown closer as a squad I know there's some some new guys come in but um, it it really does run through that uh, through that squad it's clear to see that um, there is a spirit and and I've and I've I've even sort of said um, last season under Struber that if you're going to beat Barnsley when you play Barnsley you've got to match them for the effort and the spirit if you don't do that you'll get beat as good as as good as if you are better quality players, and and that's continued under Ismail. What about the players that are maybe um, not getting as much of a chance as yet? Um, Herbie Kane was a bit of a marquee signing uh, from Liverpool. We knew what he could do, maybe more than League One when we faced uh, Doncaster, and he almost single-handedly, um, I wouldn't say destroyed us, but everybody was in awe of the talent and the pedigree that he had. He'd done without a loan to hold, plagued with injuries, um, Barnsley player became a player in the summer. Um, when um, Matty James went back, uh, uproar amongst Barnsley fans, as there often is, and um, say, you know, that's it, he was the best player we had. I, I, I'll give him his due. Steve said all the way along, uh, he was all right. He was yeah. all right. But I think we've got, you know, similar players at the club. Um, Romal Palmer is obviously the number one choice. Then yesterday, Palmer comes off and Hal May comes on. Where is Herbie Kane going wrong? What do we need to see from Herbie Kane to be more in the reckoning of a sort of, you know, a, a first team place or at least a you know regular start? Oh, it's a good question, that. Um, and I know he does get a few pelters online uh, when you look at the message boards and social media. People are very split. And I, I was the same with Matty James. People, I, I didn't see anything that blew me away. Um, but no. with Kane, um, it's a tough one. I, I don't know if I have the answer. I know Moat's never going to be, uh, while he's playing like he is, he's, he's, a, he's a stalwart in there. Maybe just, I don't know, maybe it's in trading. Maybe Ishmael obviously clearly sees him day in, day out. And he must see something because he, he clearly gives other players the time, like what he's done with the keepers. Uh, he must see something that he thinks it doesn't suit him, the style or... I don't, I really, that's the biggest head scratcher for me is, is Herbie Kane. Yeah. Um, players he's brought in, again, up front, we have so many, so many options. 
You look at Morris starting yesterday, and I, I fully agree. I think a lot of dirty work is done. The grinding down defenders from the first minute, and you can't keep that up for 90 minutes at one point. The work that Morris did yesterday tells me that, you know, him and Woodrow, with Mowat as well, sort of some really intricate passing, especially in small spaces with, with back heels. Um, what does somebody like a chaplain needs to do? Again, chaplain will have plaudits people. We've always said he's an all right player. I'm not sure if in, I think Chaplin is really good at hunting people down and running and doing a lot of running, but we know because maybe a formation, he's not scoring a lot of goals for somebody that's that's part of that forward line. Where do you think, um, is it just because of our style of play that all three will always be replaced anyway? Or what, what, what does Chaplin need to do more to be maybe more of a regular starter? I, th I think he's, he's disadvantaged because he's not got the physicality of the other lads there up front. So he's always going to kind of uh, lack in that department. And again, and he kind of reminded me a bit of a Jacob Brown that he would run all day and he would be in the thick of things, but his conversion rate was yeah. what let him down. When you've no got a one on, uh, yeah, no one product. Yeah. And, and that's where he needs to improve. And, and it was the same with Brown. He got in some wonderful positions uh, last season or even, Followed the season before and just wasn't clinical. And then this level, you've got to put it away like a Woodrow would or Morris has been doing. And I think that that's the main thing, really. You've got to have more end products. He's great at many other things, and he he's, he's probably a small cog in a big machine, but he's not kind of that outstanding player that would that can win a game off off one chance. Because some games you'll get one chance and uh, in the championship, and you've got to take it. I thought when he came on last night, um, and as Carlo knows, I'm not necessarily Chaplin's biggest fan. Um, I think Freezer brings a little bit more, as long as the, as well as the running about sort of thing, he brings a bit more to it. But I've got to be honest, when Chaplin came on last night, first couple of minutes, um, didn't do a great deal and lost the ball uh, outside box. But then he sort of he saw two or three passes that he played especially one for the goal. And there's times I have seen Chaplin, it's as though he does he does have a good pass in him. Um, but again, doesn't do it often enough. Yeah, it, it, those little intricate kind of like triangles outside the edge of the area, the little one-twos and given goals, uh, whether it be with Moa or anybody overlapping like uh, Styles or somebody, he is, he's very good at that. It's just getting to that next level where you think... Um, and I suppose it was like when when some of the, there were quite a lot of players that had done really well in League One, but it's stepping up to the Championship and it and you've got to step up. And I just think with Chaplin, he's nearly there, but he's this just a certain part of his game he's got to work on, and that's you know putting the ball in the back of the net or uh, just being that little bit more clinical. I think. Do you think though at times, and this actually goes for all all the strikers, whichever three that he decides to play. Do you think at times that they're not helped by the passing from the rest of the side? Because let's face it, our passing is not at times very good. Um, yeah, in the final it, third. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. And there's sometimes maybe an over-reliance on Mowat for that. Um, I love 
Callum Britton's crossing. I think some of them crosses he puts in. Oh, God, yeah. A, yeah. a, a bang on the money. He put a couple in early last night and they're right on either the six-yard box where the keeper doesn't know whether to come or stay or on the penalty spot. And I just wish our strikers would get in and get on yeah. the end of them. But that's it. And it can be because I don't think Halme is going to particularly split a, a defence with a pass. No. And you have got that over-reliance on, on Mauer and... They do need that. I mean, we probably hoped Matty James or Herbie Kane would have done it, but... Um, well, you'd yeah. think Kane had got that. I mean, Kane has got that ability to pick that pass out, hasn't he? But he's yeah. just not... Obviously, whether it's he's not had opportunity, he's not quite settled in, maybe it's, 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 a numer, it's numerous things, isn't it? But, absolutely, yeah. But I, I agree that... And you, you see that sometimes on... Um, comments even like from some of the journalists online when they're watching the games and they can't it it, it does crop up a bit that the final ball the, the final third that killer ball um is just lacking and yeah. especially when you're away from home and you might you might not get as many chances you you need to you, you need to uh be bang on with that one yeah um january was a, a difficult month uh, besides going through the FA Cup, uh, we, we played a lot of the top six sides and probably some of the performances were good, results weren't. If you look at the last six matches, uh, we've won four, we drew two. Um, we're now a point, we've got a game in hand. Uh, one of the things we've now in a positive goal difference. Realistically, because whenever you get near, you know, it, it, there to dream, you know, booked, booked Wembley tickets. Realistically, mm. Ian... Um, you look at the teams around us. If you look at the form table at the moment, Cardiff Cardiff won six out of six. Then it's Barnsley and uh, Watford, Norwich. They've won four. Barnsley haven't lost any, which which is good. Realistically, where do you think, barring any injuries or anything like that, where do you think we should be aiming for finishing? Because we find ourselves where we are by playing good football and getting results. Nothing really saying that that should stop. You look at the teams we're going to face in the next few weeks, nothing really to fear there. Is it Playoffs is is within reach, and that's what we should be aiming for. Or yeah, I don't. The run is such that you start thinking it, it could happen, and why why not? And I, and I'm not saying poor cold water on that. I think we should. Um, you, you can look at. It. I I often see year on year in the championship. There's always your, your usual teams, the usual six. Uh, or certainly the four in those playoff spots that are there virtually all season and you've had like your Brentford, your Fulham's last year and there's always a team comes late, well I say late on or usually comes with a run and gets in them playoffs um, and knocks one of the established teams who've been there all season who have a bit of a blip usually around Easter and they start a bit squeaky bum time and they start kind of panicking and a team comes in and and they come in and they're going on the right trajectory as they get into the playoffs. Why can't that be Barnsley? Because, and I thought this today, I was thinking, if you were an opposition manager, if you were Millwall's manager now and you're playing weekend, you'd be like, how the hell do we set up against Barnsley? Nobody wants to play Barnsley at the minute um, because they'll they'll fight all game, they'll press, they've got options on the bench. um, So why, why can't they get in the playoffs? I think... If I was being realistic, and I don't want to get slated for this because everyone's yeah. getting giddy with playoffs. Bad opinions, isn't it? Yeah, I, I said I wrote a piece a bit ago saying mid-table, mid-table mediocrity, mediocrity would be perfect this season. And what I meant by that was, you've had 
probably is it something like four out of the last seven seasons there's been promotions and relegations and it's been yo-yoing and after what happened last season wouldn't it be nice to just have a season where you're not looking down all the time and there's no panic now what i mean what i went on to explain was and i don't mean oh i just want to be 14th 15th there's always you have your top six and then you have your, your next two who tend to just miss out but there's a mini league of, of teams at about 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. And, and usually, oh, I think last season, it was like Derby, Preston, uh, Blackburn. And, and they're getting between sort of 65, 68 points. I would love Barnsley to be in and around that group because they have established championship sides who get similar tendencies to Barnsley, but seem to have bigger budgets and can sign ex-Premier League players and very established championship players. Um, who can go places, not play particularly well on a Tuesday night and get a point, and then have got a really good home form. And I think if you could be that top 10, that would you would attract better players again. You get on the telly more often. You get the money that comes with it. And I just think stepping-wise, I, I thought 9th, 10th, 11th would have been great this season and then push on again. But the way it's going, who's to say they can't get in the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a tough one, isn't it? I think realistically, if I was going to put some money on it, I'd I'd go um, ninth or tenth, and I bit and I think you'd you'd just snatch your hands off at the start of the season with that. Of course you would. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you would. Of course you would. I think um, the danger is, I suppose, the model that Barnsley Football Club operates on. That listen, I I I I've said all along when we are guests on the podcast. All I wanted this season is for us to compete and not just survive. And yes. if we'd have finished 15th or 13th, it'd be great. Um, I get nosebleeds. I'm looking at the table <laughs> now and I think, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the worry is that if you don't make it to the playoffs, um, because of our style of play and because of the attention, you have to look at certain players and think, hmm, will, they maybe, will their eyes be turned and say, you know, a team that might go up. If you look at Callum Styles that people are looking at, um, you know, Woodrow's obviously still in there. Mowat's not signed a contract, so, so he could be off. So it's a split in my head of, do I rather have, even if, let's go playoffs, let's go the whole shebang, we go <laughs> up, right? Um, are we set up for that? Mm, maybe not. But think of the money that would come in with a season in the Premier League. Even if you come back down, you keep the players together we've got a brand of football that will keep playing and the financial future of the of the football club because we know they don't throw big wages at just anybody yeah. but then on the other side i think let's stay realistic but then if we don't make it will styles be a player next year will Mowat sign another contract it's i know it's and historically the club have sold the crown jewels haven't they and and the best players have gone and um, and they've suffered as a result of that. And, then, and there's already people talking about, oh, how long is the manager going to be here for? And, and it's almost like doom and gloom when you should be really sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the ride. Um, but I think that comes from experience with Barnsley. And it is, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I just, if they don't make the playoffs and the way the team spirit is and the way everything is uh, under his mail is running, I'd like to think that some of those players were, buy into another season and give it another crack. Um, you never know, do you? You just don't know what's around the corner. But I'd like to think that if they finish ninth or tenth and, and or eighth or something and they don't make the playoffs, that they'll go, well, I'm enjoying my football. 
and I'm happy where I am. And, and there's a lot to be said for that if you're happy in your, work, in your work. It might come down to as well, let's face it, you know, you, you may be able to keep hold of some of your oh. better players. Yeah. But if we do finish sort of eighth, ninth-ish, we've put some of our players in shop window. If somebody comes in comes in with a X amount, a million bid for your likes of Styles or Palmer, Anderson or whatever, do we not have to think, well, you know, that extra six, seven million pound that we're going to get would keep us going for next 12 months, two years, three years, and, and just actually just sell the one to sort of balance the books. You know, it, it depends on how much they're offering, doesn't it? Yeah, true. Um, and if if teams come in with silly money, it's difficult to turn down, isn't it, when you're not getting the money coming through the, the turnstiles. Yeah. Um, and I think that will like what you said there, if you sold one and you sold one and made made a profit and reinvested that back in, then it's not too bad. It's when you lose, if you lost three from yeah. key, key positions, it's hard then to replace three, isn't it? You could do a one for one. Um, and I think that's, you could probably, you could probably take a hit on if Mowat goes, maybe they've got an, they must have an idea who they want in. Oh, you'd like to think so. Um, it'll all does, be on spreadsheet, it go, won't it? It'll all absolutely. Be it's all on Excel. <laughs> <laughs> Although, <laughs> On that subject, I think, um, and rightly so, the board and the recruitment was was slated big time for that best transfer window ever. Um, I think this time, they've certainly listened to Struber when he wanted Solbauer. Yeah. And they've listened to, um, again, I'll probably get shot down for this, for, support, for, for praising the board, but I think, you know, that... Um, Ismail was banging on about I need strikers and they've gone out and done it and rather than buying to their model and going there you go manager these are the players they've they have listened a bit more and look at the benefits it's reaping yeah it, when you say about more it, it's hard isn't it because you almost yeah. don't put anything on social media um, yeah. when, the, when the transfer window finished and um, uh, Liam Kitchen came in Carlton Morris came in and Daryl DK came in and people were absolutely winning at this really, and slating the board and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You can't really slate the board until the end of the season. And if there were obvious gaps in our formation or in, in this strength of depth, you can say that should have been addressed. Yes. Whereas actually, Carlton Morris is proving to be, okay, signs are early, but a fantastic player. That fits our style because yeah. it's all about fitting the way we play football. Yes. Daryl DK, um, well, you don't really say anything about him because he's a bit like Ismail. Like he scares you a little bit, and as a defender, if but, you've seen his Twitter today or his yeah. TikTok, yeah. you'll not be scared because he's stood. I'm guessing that he's stopping in. I don't know what he, I'm he supposed to say. Him. He'll be stopping in premiering at Glasshouse. There, he's yeah. up on top floor because he's dancing on his bloody patio bit, knocking <laughs> some shapes out as he did on his TikTok when he first came over. You no, know, these yeah. are sort of players that were. It's nice to have, I've said it to Carlo before, I don't know what you think, Ian, but it's nice to have players with a bit of character, you know, yes. instead of the same mundane sort of beige person. Yes. That, oh, yes and no's and this, that and other. Let's have a little bit of character. Let's have a bit of fun. Let's be a little bit risky now and again. You know, that sort of that sort of person. Yeah. And and that will manifest through the training ground and in, in, in the, in the uh, changing rooms and it'll... Uh, it, it comes across on the pitch 
but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been times when I've been critical of the board and rightly so, but I just think when you look at that squad and I looked at that bench and I just thought, what a difference to 12, 18 months ago. And I just oh, think yeah. the, that's yeah. the recruitment. That's, that's everything within the club that's pulling together to try and put a, a better quality side out there and look, 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 look what it's doing, you know, reaping its rewards. But yeah, definitely. You, you need your characters. You, you don't want, um, it's, it's clearly, uh, I wouldn't like to sort of say the players that have gone out have been bad apples, but he's clearly identified the ones that, that maybe weren't pulling the weight or he, he didn't trust. And he's got a group of players now that he trusts yeah. and, um, and the, 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 they seem to be a decent mix and they all seem to be pulling the right direction and 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 that's that's a good thing. I, I think he can rely on these players and the players he's using at the moment are meeting his expectations and they're very, very, very high. Yes. Um, in his defence, I think the, you know, the, the quick wins when he came in, to me, was always putting Woodrow back up front because yeah. Woodrow was playing sort of, you know, top of that diamond. And, and I think what I've seen so far from Ismail is that he's very flexible. You know, you can have a player that does really well. Well, Carlton Morris scores three and three. Okay, he started, but he didn't the other two. Whereas we've had, especially on the Struber, I thought, at times it felt a bit like the old boys club. You know, a player would play because, yeah. and maybe that was part of, you know, I don't well, I don't know, but at times you think, why is he play, what is he actually bringing? I, I still remember, and I don't want to single players out, but I can because he's... Oh, go on, Carlo. Single him out, son. <laughs> I, I can still remember a match where Rich Meyer took three or four set pieces, either corners <laughs> or three kicks. I knew it that didn't go past the first man. It was in roll Z from a corner behind the goal, but he was still on him. And I think yes. as a fan, you'd like to think, listen, we all make mistakes. Yeah. So I'm not saying if the corner does pass the first man, take him off or never play him again. <laughs> but... When that happens three or four or five times, you're wondering why 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 is this person playing? I think with Ismail, he's very open, he's very honest and unpredictable in that way. Because I'm with, yesterday at six o'clock, I was in the car with my son because I picked him up from work and I'm saying, right, lineups, lineups on. He says, you'll know it. I said, the thing is, you don't. You yeah. might know the back three, but yes. Solba or Civic is a question. Um, midfield, you sort of, it's up front. Who's he starting with? And I think that keeps players on the toes. But also, it seems really fair to fans. Morris started yesterday because he'd got three and three, and he deserved that for his work rate and everything else. And I think he's got that over Struber, who I thought was very one-sided at times and didn't like. It was always a like-for-like change as well. With yes, them. yeah, I mean, my son used to tear his hair out about <laughs> with the uh, what you were saying, like with the same players playing and uh, under Struber, and sometimes. You'd see Mike Barry even in the side, and sometimes he'd have a good game. But sometimes he just got swamped, and you thought, "Why is he playing every week?" And and I do. I think this time it's the players are there on merit, and but also, like you say, he's keep, he's keeping he's keeping his own players guessing and on top of the game, so that they can't rest on the laurels. But also the opposition manager. I mean, if you if you if you're the opposition manager, you must be thinking, "Who's starting on Saturday?" Yeah. Because, because, you know, does DK start? Does Woodrow start? If you're telling your defence who you're up against, they've not a clue who, who might start it. Um, and that Blackburn game, that, that Lenehan's a really good centre-half and in an all game, he's like up against one one or two and then suddenly, with 30 minutes to go, he's got a suddenly, he's got a totally different proposition on him. Um, so it is, it's, um, it's a good skill he's got. 
Um, just looking ahead then at the, the, the matches coming up. So uh, we face Oak, uh, we face at Oakwell. We face Millwall on Saturday, and then it's Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So you got QPR away, Birmingham at home, uh, Derby at home, and then uh, Bournemouth away, which takes you to the 13th of March. If you look at Millwall, QPR, Birmingham, and Derby, without being um, you know Billy Big Bollocks, if I may say that, <laughs> nobody to fear, is there really? Because the, it's not just we're getting good results. We, we've got really, really good performances. So nobody to fear there, really, is there, Ian? Uh, no. I, I mean, I had a quick glance at uh, Millwall. They, they've won three and drawn two of the last five. And I was like, oh, didn't realise they were doing so well. And then QPR's won four and drawn one of the last five. So it will it won't be easy. And obviously, QPR is a play, although apart from last year, the place that they never win. Um, but having said that, and I've said and I've said it before, you wouldn't want to be playing Barnsley right now. They are absolutely flying. They can't wait for the next game. They're full of energy. They're full of ideas. And like you say, shouldn't fear anybody. Shouldn't fear anybody. And certainly um, at home on Saturday, that I could see them getting stuck into Millwall. Oh, there you go. I've cursed it probably, but uh, <laughs> I'm not watching it now. But, yeah, blame me. But uh, no, there's and I know Norwich made some changes for that cup tie, but they absolutely were all over Norwich uh, in the cup tie in January. So yeah, the, the going in to each game, um, flying and, and reputations accounting for nothing for the opposition. Steve, how do you see the next few matches going? I, I've got to agree with Ian. There's nothing. Note to fear, um, we're grinding results out. You mentioned Norwich there. I mean, Norwich, I thought we played some really, really nice, attractive football. Uh, and since then, it, it has been a scrap at times. But teams are going to come. They not know what they're going to face. Are, are they going to face it on floor with your chaplains? Are they going to face it in air with DK? You know, the guessing all the time. I think Millwall on Saturday, yeah. I have no fear for that. QPR, QPR seem to have hit a bit of a good spot. So that might be more of a test. I think this first test may come uh, with Derby because of the last few weeks since Rooney sort of taken over, they seem to have upped the game and picked up a bit. Uh, yeah. And they're playing really well. So for me, first probably real test might be Derby. Yeah, and I think... If you, if you look at the, the fixtures after Derby, we've got Bournemouth. We know that will be difficult. I think it's after that. You've got Wickham away, Sheffield Wednesday at home, and a week or so later, you've got Luton. My worry is always with those sides that haven't really got a playing style. Big physical players. I remember Wickham at home. That wasn't an easy match. No, that was wasn't easy that. because they're happy to just literally... Uh, we play better if teams come at us because we will press and make a mistake and off we yeah. go. Um, but on the Val, I call him Val because we're <laughs> practically friends, aren't we? Um, on, on the Ismail, we have been able to find a way and stop that long hoof and hole ball because we, we started countering with that almost and we forgot our strongest point, which is ball on the floor, high pressing, high intensity, pass and move. Um, so I think on all fronts, we've, we've improved. And the thing is as well, and Ian said it right at the beginning of this interview, you know, you, you you look at where we are, we're on 48 points. You know, we're on 48 points. You look at the bottom three, it's Rotherham at the moment, they're on 29. 
Um, the massive Sheffield Wednesday are on 28. Uh, Wickham massive, are on 23. Club. Just pop that in, massive club. <laughs> I always do it at least once an episode. And I think we need any points you get from here on in. I'm not saying the bonus because you have to aim for as you know as good as you can be. And there's no doubt that Ismail will 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 drill that into these players. Um, I don't think we should fear anybody. I'd like us to see not match people in that playing style. If we play our own game, I'm with Ian. I don't think anybody likes playing us at this moment, especially this time of the season. No, and I think you touched on it with that Wick that Wickham home game came after um, a bit of a drubbing at home to Bournemouth, which the yeah. Bournemouth were flying in that game, and I thought they're going to Premier League, and, and I never thought that they'd get rid of the manager not long after. And uh, that was probably a game. Then they were lumping it up to up front and, and and long balls, and it was one of them. And when they equalised, I thought this would be a game where they'll drop two points. And they didn't, and they got through it, and so started another run. And I think that's what they've been very good at. If they've, like January when they played all the top teams and uh, didn't pick many points up, they suddenly then um, turned it on again and put put this run together. So I think like that Wickham home game was was a was a prime example of where previously they probably would have dropped points. And you're right. I think there's you look at those fixtures coming up. There are one or two tough ones. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's some that you would you would you would probably say we'll get some at there, 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 and there, and and um, I think eventually we should get a decent points total. Yeah, yeah definitely. Ian, thank you very very much um, for joining us. Uh, I love talking with people that have got a like a, almost like a broad mindset. I've, we've always said it's all about opinions, isn't it? And yes, I think it's great when you can have a discussion with somebody has a different opinion. The problem is you can do it in the fan zone, you can do it in the mount, and you can do it at Brammer's before kickoff. <laughs> but if you do it on social media, you're either a bully or you don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Or, you know well, we don't I mean? know what we're yeah. talking about, do we? Let's be honest. I, I've, I've, <laughs> not, well, I've got you on board, Steve, in the hope I've got somebody who knows what they're talking oh, about. <laughs> I've got to ask Ian, though, before he goes. Yep. Go on. Obviously, Ian, half-time pie. Yes. Meat and potato or steak and kidney? Oof. Um, or are we bolting? Oh, no, it's got to be uh, chicken bolty, pucker pie, at all day long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carlo don't like it. He's not happy now. Look. No, oh, is it? oh, sorry. You'll delete pie. this interview now. <laughs> it's yeah. the only time I get to eat... We live in Barnsley. You know, it's the only time I get to eat steak if I never steak pie. <laughs> it's not real steak, Carlo. I hate to tell you, mate, but it's not real steak. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, um, ho- hopefully in the future there'll be an opportunity when we when I come down with my lad, we'll uh, we'll meet up over a, oh, a pie yeah. and a pie and a pint, and we'll Definitely. actually meet in person. It'll be yeah, be good to do. Yeah. Definitely. Um, obviously, we're always in the fan zone uh, behind the East Stand and hosting yeah. that with everybody. And um, thank you very much. I hope that in a couple of weeks, maybe after the Easter period, uh, we can meet up again. Let's see where we are then, and yes. let's see if, if we have to change those realistic expectations that we have. Thank you very much for taking the time out. Um, Ian at Halftime Pie on Twitter. Once we put it up, we'll, we'll tag it in there. Thanks for Thanks. Um, giving us your time, really, and your opinion. No. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Uh, 
By now, you've probably seen ads about the water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere. People who got sick after drinking that toxic water are now able to seek repayment for their medical costs because of a new law, the PACT Act. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it's important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is a limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and they won't take no for an answer. Sign up at SickMarine.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network. The ultimate on-demand destination for the UK's best fan-led football podcasts. Want barnstorming Barnsley insight, analysis and opinion? Follow the Reds Report podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. Unbeatable club-dedicated content created by the fans for the fans. Search TalkSport Fan Network.